Hey, this is a listener from New York. I just heard your comment about He-Man being gay. I happen to know He-Man. He's actually a pretty cool dude. Uh, just wanted to let you know he is straight. At least I haven't seen him do anything gay. Talk to you later. Keep it sick. Keep it calm. This is Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. Brought to you by AdamandEve.com. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, D. Simon. And unfortunately, people, Wackerly is in Hawaii again. You know, I'm just as suspicious as you are as to why he's really in Hawaii. And last week... I was talking to him about it, and he kind of gave me hints. I'm not quite sure exactly if he was uh, winding me up or messing around with me, but I think he's on a singles cruise. I really think he's on a singles cruise. He's been single for a while. I know he's looking for a mate, and he said when he was there a month ago, he saw a cruise that he was interested in. So now he told me that he's going there for work. I think he's on a singles cruise. So maybe next week we'll find out. But uh, this week we have a special guest host, Sleazy E. What's going on, Woo! man? Yeah, so uh, for- fortunately for me, he's in Hawaii, so, and, and, uh, and here I am. We get to have you back on the show. It's been a while. How have you been? Yeah, I haven't been on since, uh, since the big old move. Well, yeah, I think it was the anniversary shows last time we had you on. Yeah, and we got a little wasted on that one, didn't we? Yeah, we got, uh, yeah, definitely got a little tight on that one. But it's good to have you in here, uh, Sleazy. It's a hell of a show we got planned. You know, every time you, you sub a show, I usually try to go out of my way to do something uh, something different than the regular format. And I don't know if it's to distract people, because I know a lot of people, they listen to Sick and Wrong expecting the same thing, dig in, you know, week in, week out. So maybe I throw in a little, like, a wrench in the in the, in the, in the their tires here, in their spokes, to try to, like, uh, keep them on their toes. No, I think it's because my uh, personality isn't substantial enough to stand up to it. Oh, you oh, you are so engaged. Quit being so modest. <laughs> but anyway, we have a special show today. As we've done uh, many interviews in the past, we have a celebrity interview. We have phone calls. A little later in the show, we're going to give away a pair of tickets to one lucky listener to see Night Ranger at the Hollywood Palladium. Holy shit. I'm lying about that. <laughs> I know. I was jealous. I'm like, well, you didn't know for me, though. Tickets. <laughs> You're like, Night Ranger? What the fuck? How come you didn't give me those tickets yet? Like, like we get tickets for Night Ranger. But hey, but talking about that, there's a show in SF that they're doing Rock of Ages. Have you seen that? Who, like, who's uh, playing? It's no, it's a, it's a like a Broadway show of like glam rock bands. It's like it's like a a, a show. Like no, it's a Broadway show. show. You know, a musical. I saw it. I saw the uh, marquee on uh, on Hollywood Boulevard, and I was wondering. I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, everybody's so ex- all, you know all the all the uh, you know. The, uh, the the guys that like that kind of thing, uh, they're all into it and all stoked on it. You know, it looks it looks terribly cheesy. If if I were to choose to go to a Broadway musical, I'd go see the Book of Mormon, the South Park musical. I almost want. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. It's supposed I almost, to be good. I wanted. I I nearly went to Avenue Q and I, it went before I got tickets. So I, I would have rather seen that than stupid Rock of Ages bullshit. I wonder if they play any Night Ranger songs. It'd be great. I love Sister Christian. 
How many bands have songs about raping nuns? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. So, Sleazy, uh, I want to apologize in advance for my... Uh, you probably didn't come across this way, but I'm in a terrible, unforgiving mood today. I really am. What? How? What? What? WTF? Why so? Well, the reason being, there was a travesty. A travesty of justice occurred on the streets of Los Angeles this afternoon. Was it another another Rodney King uh, beating or something? Or it's akin. I would say it's on the same level as a Rodney King beating. Me and my girlfriend got jaywalking tickets. Wow. Right a block away <laughs> from where I live. A fucking jaywalking ticket. What a crock. And not to mention, these, these tickets, I looked it up. I was like, you know, at first I was pretty pissed off. I was arguing with the cops, you know, doing the whole standard spiel of like. And then the thing is, I mean, it, I can understand arguing with the cops. Like right across the street were some crackheads sitting there smoking rocks and drinking 40s. But yeah. yet they're not doing anything to them. Right. We, but I we, mean. They're not going to make any money from that, though, are they? Exactly. This is classic racial profiling. I wasn't going off of that, but I said to them, I was like, you know, there are crimes occurring throughout this city. There are cops. There are people being raped. There are people probably being assaulted right now. We walked across the street because there were no cars at all. We waited at the light. The light didn't change yet. We walked across the street. Halfway through, the light changed. Halfway through the intersection. And then here's this unmarked popo pulls over. Jumps out like it's like jaywalking vice squad. Next thing you know, we're up against the fence and uh, we have to pull out our IDs. Wait a minute. So you were halfway across the street and then it just changed red? No, we were halfway across the street and it changed white. <laughs> like that little guy. <laughs> so, yes. Oh, right, right. I get you. The other way around. So, but I mean, well, yeah, because I mean, you know, it's, you never see that on shows like Law and Order or like. Or people getting busted for, wait, jaywalking yeah, stings? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, so they, those shows aren't real then, or what? <laughs> well, I, you know, I think they'd be a little bit more boring if uh, they actually show what cops do in real life, which is bust jaywalkers because the city's so desperate for money. But you know, it, it, at first I was like, okay, you know, whatever, dude, give me my fifty dollar fine. I couldn't really give a fuck less. You know, have fun. You know, living your mediocre cop life. But then I get home and I'm looking at the uh, go to the L.A. Superior Court dot com website. It's a hundred and ninety-one dollars, and that's uh, without tax. Yeah, no, yeah, you, you you know that I had one like a year ago. How much did you pay in San Francisco? It turned out with everything together, two hundred eighty dollars. You gotta be fucking kidding me! Two hundred eighty dollars yeah. for crossing I the. Bought, I could have bought a freaking and a brand new iPad, iPod for that shit, you know. But you you know what the the thing is? Where did you get yours? Did you get yours in the Tenderloin? Or did you get yours in like Union Square? Mine was in the freaking Tenderloin, right? And like you said, you know, like people smoking crack. There was somebody smoking crack on one side of the street. There was another dude when I finished crossing the street that were offering me weed for sale. And then I was walking with a little Chinese lady that was doing exactly what I was doing, walking, walking against the light. Who is this I mean, little Chinese lady? Was this your girlfriend? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, you're engaging in prostitution and jaywalking at the same time. Yeah, dry, uh, yeah. So they busted. They luckily they busted me for the minor infraction of just jaywalking instead of like prostitution and dr- and drug purchasing. And so no. But two hundred eighty dollars. Did you try to fight it or did you just pay it no, outright? I, pay, I fucking paid it. Dude. You know, I, I'm I'm fighting this. 
You should actually. I fight every parking ticket. I fight every traffic violation I've ever received. And when you fight it, when you actually make an effort, you go down the courthouse and you fight it, they usually tend to, they don't let let you get off. They don't usually uh, strike it from your record, but they'll cut it down like half off. And to a Jew, that's, that's admissible. It's like, yeah, but the amount of time and effort and, you know, like time off work you have to put in and stuff, you know. It's Sleazy, like, there's a grave injustice that occurred, okay? I'm not going to let this rest. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, like that it, movie, L.A. Confidential. Well, it's like that Minor Threat song, uh, Guilty of Being White. <laughs> I suppose I could make this racist. <laughs> yes, I think that's what it was. And the reason being is they're crackheads night and day. I mean, I live over here. We live a block away from the ghetto. Crackheads walk up and down the streets. Crackheads are smoking. They don't bust the crackheads. The reason being, crackheads aren't going to pay the fine. Right. Crackheads that, that, don't care about a warrant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, you know, but it's like, here's two white people. Well, those people can afford, you know. And I said to them, I was like, you know... I don't understand this. I was like, it's very counterproductive if you think about what the city is trying to accomplish downtown. I was like, five, and I was saying this, the, the, the one cop was like, uh, took my girlfriend aside and was getting her information, writing her a ticket. I was talking to this like Latin cop that was being such a bitch for no reason. I was like, you know, you want, the city wants young urban professionals to move in here. They, that's what the city wants. They want to clean up downtown. But you come down here and what you, you get harassed for crossing the street. I was like, the light was about to change. That's why I crossed the street. I know how to cross the street. There are no co- there are no cars even in the street. Here you are waiting on the side of the road to pull somebody over. It's like, don't you have another crime that you could uh, try to try, try to bust? Don't you have another? You know, aren't there other like more severe infractions going on right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, in the seventies with Starsky and Hutch patrolling the area. Like, there, there was loads of crap going on down there. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think things... They're are, gangs! It, LA's like one of the biggest cities with gangs. Gang warfare. There's those, Armenian mobs. Yeah, those bloods and those crip guys and but stuff. But the true, the true enemies of the city are the jaywalkers, I'm telling you. Yeah, but California's becoming bankrupt, you know? What do you expect? You know, I looked, on, I looked online because I was uh, seething with rage. And uh, it says that the LAPD... Are charging jaywalkers $191 in a new crackdown. I guess uh, they have a zero tolerance policy now for jaywalkers downtown, particularly the historic core area, as part of an effort to reduce accidents and prevent crime. Wow. They but, say, okay. okay, so but, uh, did you also look at what the history of jaywalking? I mean, what the hell does jaywalking mean? What's jay? Who's jay? You know, I, I don't know the history of the term. <laughs> I imagine he was a guy that just paid no attention. He yeah. did not heed the traffic signs, you know. Maybe that was Mr. Magoo's first name. But, you know, it's, it's like they say here, jaywalking is often done by thieves, purse snatchers, and robbery suspects to target their victims. So this is about preventing thefts and robberies. Oh, That's dude. such a load of shit. I really. Mean, I think part of the reason I got pulled over in this in, for that when I got jet jaywalking ticket I think was a lot to do with yes a you know getting the money from the ticket and knowing that I would pay it but also like because I was you know a relatively well you know well-dressed person in a you know in a drug buying neighborhood and they wanted to be able to see how I would react to that and it, and even they actually searched me so they, they did go- search you so there is probably an excuse to search to pat yeah. you down yeah. Well, they say the cost of tickets in L.A. has become an issue as officials increasingly turn to parking and traffic violations and simple misdemeanors as a way to boost their depleted coffers. The ticket for an expired meter in Los Angeles jumped from $40 in 2008 to $50. Wow. 
Isn't that mm. ridiculous? And fix-it tickets for minor movie violations such as broken taillights more than doubled. I was talking to a guy the other day. He said he spent $480 for running a red light. Yeah. Well, it used to be 280 plus tax or whatever all that stuff. But, like, I mean, but, yeah, but one thing, it's like, yeah, you have a car and you do something. You could kill somebody if you ran a red light, right? You know, so that's, that's you know, maybe you should pay something like that. But you're a fucking walking against traffic with no cars coming. You're going to get killed. Pedestrian. Yeah, that's your ch- that, but that's your chance. That's chances you're taking. Why should you be fucking penalized two hundred eighty dollars for something? For well, my, my favorite thing is at the end the, the the not the female cop who told me to step back. I was just like, what, what am I going to do to you? I don't, I don't want to get close to you anyway. But yeah, the smart. male cop came over and uh, it was just a total good cop bad cop. And this guy was trying to be like. You know, really avuncular. He's looking at me. He's like running on the ticket saying, you know, ask me my name and everything. And then at the end, he's like, you know, I'm just looking out for you because I'm the one who's going to have to call your parents and pick yeah. up the pieces. And I look at him. I was like, no, you won't because I know how to cross the road. Well, that, that, yeah, exactly. They got that same spiel from the guy that, put, that pulled me over. And I, was, and I was like, I've lived in this city for nearly 20 years. And I've been a pedestrian my whole life in the city. And I've rid, you know, ridden bicycle. And I've never, because he, he was like, yeah, I, I got hit by a car and I broke both my legs. And I was like, well, you're a fucking idiot then. What like, a waste What a waste of resources. And you know, it's March, it's March 30th. It's the end of the month. This guy just made $400 for the city. He probably got a percentage for his quota. Yeah, I wonder how, yeah. I mean, they always, they always combat, you know. And I asked him too, I was like, how much is it? How much is this fine? And they're like, they oh, we, don't, we don't know. We don't yeah. have no idea. They it's like, do oh, really? Know. Of course they know, but they're not going to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, I'm seething with rage, and I plan to fight this injustice. You just watch me, Sleazy. I'll let you know, and maybe a couple months from now. I think I have to be in, in uh, you have to fight it by May 15th. I'll let you know what okay. ends up happening with this. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to blame a one-armed crackhead that uh, did something, and I was chasing the one-armed crackhead, and that's why I had to cross the street. I don't know. It's got to be a one-armed crackhead. Just believe me. So, uh, Sleazy, I mentioned before we have a celebrity guest here on the show. I actually arranged an interview with the founder and owner of the Museum of Death here in Hollywood. Have you been to the Museum of Death? What a privilege. Yeah, actually, I have, um, but not in its uh, current location. Uh, when I lived uh, in Southern in San Diego, like in the, in the 90s, in the early 90s, I went to it down there, and I'm sure it's expanded since then, obviously. Um, and it's a little different, but it, yeah. it, it's the same. It's the same owner. And I think it was in the '90s. It was located in San Diego, and then he uh, moved it up here to. I think it had several different locations in uh, Hollywood, but we'll find out. But uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, when Joe was in town, my girlfriend Joe and I all went to the uh, Museum of Death to go check it out. I'd heard of, I'd heard so much about it, and I was like, "Oh, why not go check it out?" And I think all of us were completely astonished and slightly sickened. <laughs> By uh, what we uh, saw there, but uh, but the, the the best thing about it is the the owner JD was um, at the front desk and really cool guy. Kind of reminded me of like um, you know like as a, a circus like a PT Barnum type of figure, just like talking up the museum. It was like you know he had the whole spiel in the beginning about like I hope uh, hope you guys have a strong enough stomach to take this, and we're like oh don't worry about it, we're fine. Did he it, have a t- top hat and tails and stuff and a cane and shit or? Metaphorically, he did. Okay. <laughs> no, but you know what, though? He's a really cool guy, and he has a very, very impressive collection of murderabilia. That, the, the most impressive collection I've ever seen. 
Uh, people, uh, well, you'll check it out. You'll find out about the Museum of Death today. We'll give them a call in just one moment. Before we get to that, here's a word from our sponsor, Audible.com. Audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. Uh, content from Audible is downloaded and played back on personal computers, CDs, or the iPod player. Sleazy, do you own an iPod player? I would have if I didn't get a fucking jaywalking ticket. <laughs> Listen whenever and wherever you want, just like the uh, podcast shows do right now. There's over a 1,000 uh, science and tech titles and over 1,100 science fiction and fantasy titles. In total, over 75,000 titles to choose from. So just go to audiblepodcast.com slash diddle and get a free audiobook today. All right, Sleazy. Well, uh, I say we give uh, J.D. from the Museum of Death in Hollywood a call. Hi, is this JD? This is he. Hey, JD, it's uh, D. Simon and uh, Sleazy E. calling from Sick and Wrong. How's it going? Very good. What's happening? Hey, thanks for being on the show tonight. And great, great. JD, you're the founder and uh, owner of the Museum of Death in Hollywood, California, which I just visited about a week ago. Well, I gotta thank say, you. I was blown away. Thank you, brother. I was blown away. You had the largest collection of serial killer artwork. Mementos, artifacts, murderabilia that I've ever seen. Guess what I bought today? What'd you get? Original Ed Keen piece. Ooh. Nice. You know, I yeah. never even knew he did art. Uh, he did art. He's got, a, I, I got actually today, I got a letter um, that he wrote to a um, lawyer trying to get him out of prison in 1976. Not prison, but the hospital he's in from 1976 because he died in jail in 84. What's so Ed Keen's grammar like? Oh, it's. It's brilliant because huh? he has other people. He has other people write for him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was about to say he doesn't. He doesn't look like the most intelligent guy. So yeah. the one thing I got to say about your museum, and uh, my one word of advice to any potential visitors is: don't eat breakfast directly before visiting the museum. There you go. Because uh, we went to the bright spot. I had huevos rancheros, and it was difficult. <laughs> it was difficult to keep it down. I got to tell you that. So um, uh, beautiful. So, J.D., uh, quick uh, history here about the Museum of Death. How long have you been located in Hollywood, on Hollywood Boulevard? Well, we've been in the new location for about three years. We moved up here from San Diego in 2000, and we were at another location on Ivar prior to that. Okay, so you've been so, but originally, what was the original location? Original location was in San Diego. You were in, we opened uh, in 1995 in the Gaslamp Quarter. Right, that's where I first, I first, I first went to you guys, and uh, yeah, the, I guess it might, I thought it was the early '90s, but I guess it must have been the mid '90s when I lived down there in the uh, downtown area. Yeah, well, we had art galleries that we ran um, from the um, late '80s up through that whole time, and we would do shows that ran a lot like what we do at the museum. So people would have probably known us as Tahubahu or Rita Dean before that. So, is that how it started? You. You ended up having an art gallery, and then it just kind of uh, snowballed into a museum? Yeah, it evolved from, you know, I'm an artist, and it evolved from uh, having art shows and exhibits uh, that we do, conceptual installations I would, I would do, and then it just turned into, like, a whole collection of stuff. And when I moved the gallery from 6th Avenue to 5th Avenue, 
I had a basement that I wasn't using, and Kathy always wanted a small museum, so I had all this stuff. I thought, you know what? I'm going to open a museum, and uh, I opened the Museum of Death. So had you been collecting for years? Oh, yeah. I'm, we've been collecting for almost 25 years plus. Wow. Okay. So then, so but it started, though, with the serial killer art, and then it kind of yeah. moved into all yeah, the that, other... Yeah, that, that was the catalyst for sure. Okay, some of the that, the well, the one thing I noticed with the Museum of Death is you have it segmented into different rooms, right? So the first room's the serial killer artwork room and uh, right, letters. right, the archives of the serial killers, absolutely. And then you kind of move into like the suicide area, executions. No, no, you no, no. You go into the execution area. Execution, Ex- okay. Right, and then uh, and everything's getting ready to be changed real soon because what we're going to do is, as you know, I have the head of the serial killer in the mortician funeral room right now. Yeah, I was gonna and that's going to that. be moved over to the executionary uh, room because he was guillotined by guillotine. Oh, okay. He was killed by oh. guillotine. I mean, so it's like everything's starting to start keep evolving. I mean, we're never really stuck in one thing, so we're always trying to you know improve it. So the one thing I noticed in the uh, serial killer artwork room um you had the you not only had drawings like you had uh, some gacy drawings of like pogo the clown uh you yep, had man. some ramirez artwork but you also had a richard ramirez drawing of a jeffrey Do- jeffrey Dahmer's refrigerator yeah i had him i asked him to do me uh, when jeffrey Dahmer was uh, caught i asked richard ramirez to do me a drawing of jeffrey Dahmer's refrigerator and that's what he sent me <laughs> i know it's awesome i got serial killers doing artwork of other serial killers it's amazing yeah, so when uh, when you communicate with them, I mean, how often do you do, do you call, or is it usually letters? Um, it all depends. Like Gacy used to call me, you know. I I would take collect calls from Gacy, uh, but um, when I started corresponding with them, it was mostly it was actually all letters, and that's how I opened up my uh, relationship with the guys on uh, San Quentin's death row, and that's when I went and visited them up there. You know, you have to become befriend them, and then you have to go through an FBI check and such to be able to be approved and then you can go so when you go visit them what do you do do you just kind of go chat oh, oh yeah you chat so is it different <laughs> you though? gotta bring a lot of quarters for the um, candy machine <laughs> <laughs> uh, did it change your conception of who they are or what they did when you actually met them in person um no you know the one thing that really uh makes you realize uh, when you do meet them is that they are a human beings which yeah. is kind of weird. You you want to think that they're a monster. Yeah, exactly. But it's not like yeah. that. It's not like that at all. And especially like when you go to Death Row in um, San Quentin, it's not like you, you don't go and meet them between glass. You know, you're you're led into like three hallways with doors that are locked. There's no um, like uh, officers in the room that you go into to be with the person you're visiting. They're all the, all the officers are behind glass, and then you're in this big day room of like. 50 murderers and their families and you. And then there's a whole, whole wall of um, concession machines like, you know, candy, popcorn or whatever. And they all the whole time you're there, they're asking you to just feed those machines so they can get stuff to eat. Wow. So what, what do you talk about? Uh, anything that they want to talk about. You know, uh, the key to this whole thing is to be a good listener. Mm. And, the, and the, the better listener you are, the, the better stories you get. Wow. Well, yeah, I could imagine. So, uh, out of uh, all the serial killers you've corresponded with, who are the, who's the most famous? Famous? Oh, Manson. Most notorious? Wow. So, you've, uh, d- do you get letters from Manson, like personal letters? Manson, yeah. Um, I got letters from him, uh, artwork from him, all kinds of stuff. And there's a new book out, Manson in His Own Words. It just came out this year. 
it's a, a nice book, and uh, I have a whole chapter in that. Oh, wow. I'm going to definitely have to check that out. Yeah, it's called Charles Manson Now, actually, and it's written by Marlon Myrick, and uh, it's out now. What's the connection with Myrick and Manson? Um, he was a, uh, the author is actually a guy that worked in, um, Canada as a, um, he worked in like hospitals and such, and he was just really interested in it. And one thing led to another and he got in contact with him and he got the book going. Huh. That's interesting. So this kind of leads me into my next question. Um, so this, uh, Myrick just wrote this book. Do serial killers profit off of their art or off of uh, like their paintings or any novels or interviews? Oh well, let's let, let's 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 step back a little bit. First of all, Manson's not a serial killer. Not man, yeah. Not, I'm just talking okay. about John Wayne Gacy. Mm, yeah, you know, there, there are ways that I'm sure that the um, individuals uh, make a profit off of things, but everything is so convoluted; it's hard to tell. Yeah. What's what, in a sense, you know? So, do they profit? I think I think their their big thing is seeing their name written down. You know what I mean? Yeah, actually, so it's just the money, absolutely. You know, the money's not a big deal. You know, it's it's seeing that they're still out there in the public's eye. Oh, okay, so it's the celebrity status. Kinda, yeah. That they're trying to well, the notoriety. And, and always remember this also that every serial killer. You can't group together. They, they're all different individuals, and that's what I was trying to explain earlier. You know, they're human beings. And when people say, oh, serial killer, you know, they, they try to group these guys together, and they're so, each one is so different that you really can't. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're so vastly different, especially, you know, how they live their lives, where they're coming from, the crimes that they committed. Exactly. How they grew up, what was their, you know, you know situation when they were growing up. There, there's a lot of things involved. Okay, so out of all the pieces of art that you have, what's your most valued serial killer art? Oh, serial killer art or just like art by notorious people? I guess, okay, I guess I'm, I'm, I guess I'm taking out a perspective. Art by notorious person, notorious figure. I, I would have to say the um, baseball I have signed by Charles Manson is my favorite. <laughs> did you visit him to do that or did you send it to him? No. I did it, but I knew somebody who was the art director at the prison at the time. And what happened was uh, there was a pitcher that was incarcerated at Corcoran at the same time. And uh, one, some some autograph guy got a wild hair up his butt and said, hey, you know, I'm going to send you a case of balls, and I want you to sign them. So the pitcher, yeah, whatever. You know, so he sent the balls. And Manson heard there was a case of baseballs coming into the prison, and he wanted to sign one. And I knew the art director at the time. Of Corcoran, and that's how I got mine. Basically, only only one. He only signed one, and I got it. Wow, that's that. Now that is a treasured possession. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty uh, fun. You do have some impressive pieces, though. And people, uh, when you go visit the museum, you'll see. I mean, not only there's letters, there's correspondence, there's paintings, there's hand drawings. I love the uh, Richard Ramirez like Satan goat looking thing. Uh, thank you very much. You're you're very kind. That's great. That's great. Um, I also noticed we mentioned this before the skull of Henry Landrieu, who is uh, the Bluebeard of Paris. Is right. that one probably the rarest item that you have? Um, you know, rarest hard to you know uh, talk about. I mean, when you think about the Heaven's Gate stuff that I have, you know, mm -hmm. someone wore one of those outfits when that whole group you know was executed. That maybe it's not as rare as a Henry head right now, but down the road. It, I think it's going to be a big deal. Do you think you feel a, a, akin to that because you're, you know, the, uh, the San Diego connection? 
Oh, absolutely. And I also believe that um, in the big picture that, you know, we really have our finger on the pulse of death. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but uh, I think that there's things that are happening around us right now that might not look as big as, say, like Charles Manson or Henry Landry or whatever, but down the road they can, might be even bigger. You know, we're not here to say it. We're not writing the history. So who knows what's going to happen. So like 50 years from now when a, a yeah, spaceship yeah, yeah, finally exactly. does I mean, land. When you say, think about Landro's head, I mean, that was from 1923. Yeah. You know, he was like one of the first serial killers. Is, I mean, is, is that, the guillotine head. It's amazing. Yeah, he's the most notorious uh, serial killer. How is that head preserved? That's mummified. It's mummified. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You see it, and it's just this mummified head. So, oh, it's beautiful. You can see the eyelashes. And, you, and the, the great thing about it is that if you see the photos of Henry and you see the head, you can totally, you know, decipher who oh, it is. You can totally I mean, see the shape and the face. Oh, yeah. And you totally, can make absolutely. The, face. the high cheekbones, you know, the crooked nose, all that. It, it just, it's phenomenal. So I don't want you to divulge your sources. I appreciate if you don't want to say anything about it. But where would you acquire something like that? Like how? Like how, I, I picture this like macabre version of the show Pickers. Right. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. You know, when we were first collecting, it wasn't as, you know, notorious as it is today. When we opened the museum in 1995, there wasn't everyone wearing skulls on their shirts or anything like that. So we were collecting for many, many years prior to all this, like, hoopla with the skulls and such. And now what's happened is um, we, we hung up the sign, and it became a magnetic force pretty much. And so things gravitate towards the Museum of Death. You know? Okay, so and people so, seek you out. Sometimes they do. And actually, uh, every day I get something. Every day something comes across my desk. Now, you know, that's it, why I got the game thing today, so. Is it like a tip that someone will call in and say, hey, you know, I have this uh, guillotine that was used in, uh, you know, 1890s. You want to come check it out? Right, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like that. Like with Henry's head, it, what happened was uh, someone um, saw my wife on episode uh, Beyond Bizarre, I think it was, where she was talking about guillotine or something like that. And this was a neurologist here in California that had the head, and he... Uh, had to get rid of it because he had it stored in the garage in Malibu with his brains because he was a neurologist, he studied brains, and his wife went through the um, garage to pick it up because they were going to convert the garage into a family room. And so when she came across the bag and she opened it up, she saw the head, and so she brought it into the house and she put it on the kitchen table and he said, hey, listen, the head goes or I go. And so because she never knew the head was there, yeah. And so he saw my wife on television and then he, he uh, emailed us after seeing my wife on television, hey, you want to buy a head? And, of course, me, you know, it's like, hey, yeah, i got to sell a hand in life first so we can get a head. So <laughs> that's it's, a true story. I had to sell a hand to get it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely a very impressive piece. I even like the way it's displayed. Like in the case. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty neat. You know, actually, the new display, what we're going to try to do is put it on, like, a turntable so it, it rotates. As you can see all sides, yeah. I think it yeah. would be more effective. But, you know, as you were saying before, um, you know, it's you, you have, like, such a variety of items. Uh, there's a room right. devoted to suicide, methods of execution, and uh, the, the mortuary practice room, where you actually have a monitor showing a mortician. Um, you know, yeah, his, doing the autopsy, yeah, it's great. Doing his autopsy. I, I found that one particularly unsettling. And I remember that was at the point where my girlfriend was like, all right, I'm getting out of here. And she went, well, went dude, over. I have people, you know, the funny thing is, I have people pass out every other day here. Yeah, I had what, a Marine pass out three nights ago. 
it was crazy. And he and the reason he passed out, he's watching the same video you're you're um, watching. And what it was when the ephemeral artery that's on the inside of the thigh, that's how they do a lot of embalming or um, uh, yeah, embalming. They um, they 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 open up the thigh, they pull it out, and they cut it so they can get the uh, big needles in there to you know flush and and put the new fluid in. But he was watching this, and as a marine, I don't know if you you understand this, but like marines, uh, this guy was a machine gunner. They're they're supposed to protect the insides of their thighs because that's how they if they get hit, that's how they can bleed out. And so he's watching this thing happen, and he's thinking, protect my thighs, protect my thighs, and all of a sudden that trigger goes off, and he passed out right in front of the monitor. <laughs> Man, I I mean I can imagine it's just I mean it's 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 very unsettling. It's a disturbing image. Is that where most people like what is there a certain point in the in the tour when they're walking through the museum that you know they're going to pass out and then you can no, tell I wish I, I wish I did that. I wish I knew that because I would bottle it, but no, it, it, you know, everyone has different triggers in their mind. And uh I I only I could only you know I I can only watch as a good scientist can and, and try to figure it out. <laughs> It cracked me up, though. There were a couple moments. I remember when I was looking at, uh, you had some uh, some photographs of this, uh, this, this, this woman who killed her husband with another guy and then, like, chopped right. off his dick and shoved it in the guy's mouth. Yeah, uh, that that was hard to look at. I was just, you know, my favorite my favorite photo out of that series is the uh, the uh, the feet in the hand stacked up on the ottoman. And yeah. if you look on the television screen, they're watching All in the Family. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't notice that detail. Just haven't looked as much. Small things account, buddy. <laughs> so you mentioned on your website that there's no age limit. No, no, everyone dies. So, you know, death's only hard on living. So, do you allow like, uh, like if a parent comes in with a toddler, will you let them walk yeah. through the museum? Oh, dude, I've had I've had five year old kid, little girls, five years old, come in knowing that they want to be morticians when they grow up. Wow. You know, just because you're young doesn't mean that you're stupid. You know, everyone wants to think that little people are stupid, but they're not, you know. I mean, some people are really, but then I had, I've had other kids, you know, 12, 13, that are so immature that I won't let in. Yeah, you can, you can just tell, like, they're coming yeah, in you here can for tell, a while. You, know, you can tell right away. That's why I have the tester photo in the front of the world's longest man. Okay, yeah, I did see that. I mean, but you, but you had a spiel in the beginning where you warned, you know, you warned a, a visitor <laughs> about what you're going to see. And it's just like, yeah, I hope you have a thick stomach. Well, you know, yeah. I, I, I am uh, very, very intrigued by P.T. Barnum. <laughs> yeah, quite the showman. So um, I'm sure you're no stranger to controversy. Have you ever no, been... No, no, I mean, uh, come on. Are you kidding? Have you ever been sued because of the museum? Or have any victims' families ever threatened you? You ever received no, any... No, because uh, the bottom line is everyone dies. So, so, but I mean, like a, like a, 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 a... I had more problems when I had my art gallery in San Diego. Dude, the ACLU used to be my lawyers, okay? And when I ran my art galleries, I ran controversial shows. I had more problems with nudity than I ever had with death. In America, your sex is bad. Your death is okay. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 you, can, you, can show, you can show an autopsy on TV, but yeah, you show one titty, and all of a sudden it's exactly. like an Exactly, you're fucked. You're, you're yeah. done, yeah? Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's pretty amazing what, like, you know, you could see on TV, like, uh, tw you know, 10, 15 years ago, and what they show now on TV with shows like CSI and stuff like that, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think, I think the game that's is... What, that's changing. exactly... When you just said that, it's just the same thing. It's like when I started the Museum of Death in 1995, it was verboten. You know, you no one talks about any of that stuff. But now it's become hip. You can get a, a, a shirt with skulls on it at Macy's or Nordstrom's, you know? It's it's the hot topic age. That's what did it. 
<laughs> yeah, well, something did it. I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe um, we're going through a, a whole new Victorian age. Yeah, I mean, it's a, maybe it's a death you know, renaissance. I mean, when you look at it like that, you got to really think about what you know. You know, has been before us, and, and why did you know people talk about certain things at the time? You know, so that's true. I mean, right now, if you if you think about everything that's going on in the world, it almost seems like it is the end of the world. Yeah, I mean, uh, got well, it. I mean, there's so many of these shows out there, you know, like forensic shows like Bones and, and like CSI and stuff. That Dexter. People. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dexter. Yeah, they're making people, you know, like nothing shocking anymore, To you know, so. Well, you wonder, is it, do they glorify a serial killer or is it just, it, it, it's just everyone's interested in it? I think it, I think people are interested, and I think that you know, you know, societies do get smarter as they grow, and and I think that you know, we've we've tried to like hide death from people for so long in our culture. I'm not saying like forever. I'm just saying in the old days we used to talk about death. Nowadays we don't talk about death till it's too late, and that's one of the reasons that we opened the Museum of Death as an art project is to get people to start talking about death in, in a way that you know you're not going to be shocked about it when it does happen to you. You know, you because if you don't talk about it with your family prior to it, it is a shock. And you but don't we're all going to die. It's not a big deal. And you don't have to have religion as a parachute. No, none at all. I mean, that, that's what things, you know, as soon as you throw that into the equation, things get fucked up. And then that's when the, when the lines are blurred, and that's when people are Absolutely. confused by it. Absolutely. So. And in the old days, you know, they would, the religion, when religion first started, they had... You know, um, they were paying the painters to do these, you know, depictions of hell, right? So they were afraid of dying. But there's no reason to be afraid to die. Everyone dies. Yeah. And 85% of us die in our sleep or in, in, our, in a bed. Yeah. And well, yeah. I, I mean, I, and that, that's what I think is the, the, the best thing about your museum is I think you're like teaching people, opening their eyes and saying, hey, you know, everyone dies. Why don't you learn about it? Yeah, you know, it, it, I like to think it's a nice kick in the butt for everybody. You know, I think that, you know, we're, our society, you know, you go to Mexico, they're totally down with it. They know what's going to happen, you know. Well, they, you come up have, here and, it, and it's, like, so ridiculous. Well, people are rolling heads down the uh, the boulevards down there, so. Well, and every year they have the, the festival. The festival the yeah, day. Day of the Dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they embrace death. It's not, it's not a bad thing, you know. Death is not a bad thing, you know. So, J.D. Everyone wants to make it out to be, but it's not. So, J.D., you mentioned that, uh, that you plan to open up a museum or several museums, right, on the East Coast? I would love to, yes. Uh, how much stuff do you have? I mean, that's, it's, I mean you're, you're... Oh, I have, I have probably 10,000 artifacts. Wow. So the collection that you have in Hollywood, is that just like a third of your collection? In total? Yeah, it's very small, actually. Um, right now, I have so many things in storage, you know, that I'm trying to figure out how to do it where I can rotate things and have them going from... It, just because I do a show here doesn't mean I can't do one on the East Coast. And so that's what I'm starting to learn, you know, as running the museum. You know, as a museum, we're only 16 years old. You know, we're very young. You know, we're yeah. still learning. We make a lot of mistakes. But, you know, what? we figure that, you know what, we're not going to get any better if we don't, you know, try. So we're trying. We do make mistakes. But we also figured out, you know that there's death all around us, and especially in every city, they have their own idea of death. And it's like, we have shows lined up right now for, you know, to, to run that could go for a year straight, two years straight. I mean, I'm working on a huge thing for the 10th anniversary of 9-11. I've got mm -hmm. a whole thing on the Afghan-Iraq war. I've got a whole thing on scalping coming up. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And there's so many different facets, I guess, of death yeah, in Yeah, absolutely. Culture. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, you know visiting several more museums and seeing uh, more of your collection. Uh, finally, here, 
Well, when we're about to leave, you did show me something that uh, that also I found intriguing as well. You showed me a Siamese twin turtle. Maybe right, a- right. Well, you know, there are things that are worse than death. <laughs> are you talking about deformity and actually having to live with it? <laughs> well, I mean, how would you like to be stuck to something your your whole life, you know? Yeah, that would be a fate worse than death. <laughs> but do, I mean, do, seriously, you know? Do you collect freakish animals? Like, do you have like a freak yeah, animal farm? Uh, actually, another one, another one of my projects was uh, Freak Farm USA, and they used to own, own a freak animal farm. Well, what else did you have besides the turtles? I had a chicken that ran around with two asses, <laughs> had a whole albino swamp, you know, all kinds of stuff. Wow, now that I think would be, that, that's another attraction I think would be kind of and cool. It's really funny up. that I had, uh, at one time I had four two headed turtles alive, and I had them in the display called. Uh, Chernobyl. Okay, and the display was, you know, four shells of a two-headed turtle on each shelf, or a uh, different uh, malformation of a turtle in each shelf. And when people came in, it would say Chernobyl on the case, and they would say, "That's from Chernobyl." I go, "Yeah, you know where Chernobyl is?" And they would like, "No." I go, "Well, back in 1987, when Chernobyl exploded, there was a little village about 100 clicks, you know, south of there called Chernobyl." And all the animals, after you mutated. know it happened, were mutated. And they'd look at all the animals with two heads and such, and they were like, oh, I can't believe you got these. Are they radioactive? It had radioactive signs <laughs> in the thing. And, and, and they bought it, hook, line, and sinker. You know, it's like, because, I mean, how can you say, you know, when you're looking at three two-headed turtles, how are you going to say bullshit, you know? Are you sure you're not related to P.T. Barnum? I wish I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, J.D., thanks for being on the show. I'm definitely going to have to come check out the museum again because my girlfriend got you, sick. You and so. your friends are always welcome, man. I, I really had fun talking to you guys. You have great lives. Get out there and uh, kill them and eat them. Yeah, no, you, you guys, uh, you, you have a great museum over there. So it's open Sunday to Friday, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. We're open every day of the week from 11 to 8, Saturdays till 10, and uh, please come by. We'd love to have everybody. Museumofdeath.net if you want to get some information. But if you're in Hollywood, you come out to Los Angeles, it's a place that you have to visit for sure. Thank you so much. You guys have a great life. Thanks for being on the show. You take care. Bye. Cheers. So, yeah, I wasn't even lying, man. That museum seriously almost made me sick. I know my girlfriend, uh, we're, was, we were with uh, Joe, is when Joe was in town. He was on the podcast a couple weeks ago. But um, we, 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 we ate a big breakfast at the Bright Spot. Uh, and, uh, yeah, then we all we were like, let's go check out the Museum of Death. Not really thinking. I guess we didn't really have a conception of what it would be. And so <laughs> when we went in there, J.D. was at, you know, it was just like, well, come here. Give us this whole spiel. We walk in. And, uh, yeah, it's like you're the serial killer artwork. Okay, you can deal with that. You can see the pictures, the letters. Kind of weird. You can deal with that. But as soon as you start going into, like, the suicide room, the execution room, and the autopsy room, by that point, and the whole place had this kind of formaldehyde sort of smell to it, which I think was on purpose. I think that was premeditated. So it, it, by the time you got to that room where there's, like, little baby coffins and there's, like, a, a autopsy on the big screen, I could feel the huevos rancheros coming up <laughs> i was gonna see him again in liquid form it was difficult yeah, yeah but you're you you know you love that shit and you're used to that shit so why, why, what's going on there dude? you know i i can look at it i can look at it but when you look at it continuously you know like you can look at an image on the internet shut it off but when you're looking when you're stuck there you're laying you paid to go see it and you're looking at it continuously just bombarded like overwhelmed by those gruesome images 
It gets to you. I bet you if I didn't eat, I would probably would have been all right. I think. I mean, also like this. The, yeah, totally. The 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 sense of smell. Uh, that's, that's what did it. Yeah, that's, totally. that's what did it. But I gotta say though, I've never seen like I remember for a few years ago, I was trying to to uh, acquire some crime scene photos, but like the real photos, very difficult to to come by. Right. Uh, this guy had uh, pictures of the Black Dahlia. Like he had pictures of yeah that couple that had the uh, you know. Um, slaughtered her husband and then like chopped off his dick and stuck it in his mouth with a stack of hands on it. I mean, just these graphic, graphic crime scene photos. I have no idea where he got them, but they were like, you know, the wallpapered, like walls wallpapered in it. So it's, I was just kind of like, uh, kind of regretting that we had to sort of rush through it because I know uh, my uh, girlfriend wasn't entirely pleased with the place. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, I mean, I mean, I like, um, there's a place in, in Bangkok in Thailand that I went to, and it's um it's a friends a forensic um museum, and uh, it's got you know all kind of weird oddities like it's got ba- you know double headed babies in in formaldehyde and shit, and it's got mummified bodies like it's got a mummified bo- body of one of the most famous Bangkok uh, Thailand serial killers, his name's like Sai Hawaii or something like that, and uh, it's still kind of oozing goo from from its orifices and. And they have like a plate underneath to catch all the shit and stuff. What do you mean? It's melting because it's so hot? No, no. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's mummified, but, you know, it's somewhat recently, but it's not fully dried out yet. So there's bits still oozing out of it and stuff. And it's just like, just stands there. It doesn't even sound healthy. No, it's gross. (laughs) And it's weird. The place is weird. It has like skulls from like murders where like bullet holes have gone through and stuff and all this crazy shit. And it's supposed supposed to be for like... Um, medical students to go and check, check, you know, check things out, and uh, it's really difficult to find. Like I, I, you know, I tried to find it twice when I was in Bangkok, and finally I found it, and it's actually in one of the main um, hospitals there. Um, so oh, it's I, in a hospital. It's yeah, not a, it's actually not a in a hospital. Yeah, but it's a museum, but it's in a hospital, and you actually like, you know, you you, you have to go through the hospital to find it. But it is open to the public and stuff. Really weird. Really wow. Weird. The, the only thing that uh, – I think the only museum in this country that slightly resembles that I can compare to the Museum of Death would be the Mutter Museum in uh, Philadelphia. Have you ever been there? No, no, no. It's a, it's a museum of medical oddities. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, jars holding conjoined fetuses and whatnot. Oh, right. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. the same kind of thing. But this place, I mean, this guy's a real deal. I mean, he goes and visits serial killers on death row. No, like to have that, like that drive and 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 you know, like uh, interest, that intense interest in something so macabre. I mean, I think I, I think it's awesome, but like it's, it, I mean, sure, a lot of people look at it as it's a bit disturbing, weird. though. I mean, yeah. I th- I think there's a there's a fine line between hobby to like infatuation. Yeah, and, so, and uh, do you think he straddles the line? You know, I, I forgot to ask him, like, what his wife thought of all this, but it sounds like his wife is complicit in all this. Sounds like she's into it. She's actually, yeah, it seems even more than that. She's part of it more than just into it, yeah. Yeah, no. Well, it's uh, definitely a very impressive place to visit. Uh, highly recommended here. Sick and Wrong fully endorses the Museum of Death, so people, uh, you should go check it out. For sure. So, Sleazy, yeah, we're kind of nearing the end of the show, and uh, we've got a few phone calls to get to. I know some people have been calling us. Uh, people can call us Sick and Wrong Hotline at 206-666-3846, or you can email us at uh, sickandwrongpodcast at uh, hotmail.com. 
Before we get to our first call, how about a quick word from our sponsor, AdamandEve.com? It's Butt Plug Month on AdamandEve.com. Show that you still care by bringing something new into the bedroom. And by something new, I mean a butt plug. Because if you order right now and use coupon code DIDDLE, you get 50% off your first item, a gift so sensual I can't even tell you about it on this podcast that talks about murder and bukkake, and on top of all of that, free shipping. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's D-I-D-D-L-E. Um, Sleazy, here's uh, here's call number one. Um, it's actually kind of appropriate. Hey, Dan Lance, this is Raza. I know I've kind of bombarded you guys lately with emails. It's just I figured once I got in touch one way, I might as well call. Actually, I called because I was going back through and listening to the old podcast and got to 171 where you guys were talking about ass ghosts and um, the black shit coming out of his ass and farting at random times. And I don't know if you knew this, but I just... I mean, not that you knew this about me, but I just did a fast for a week um, or for about eight days, and that sounds exactly like what happens. I don't know. The most disgusting, vile shit you could ever imagine comes out of your body, things you did not even know existed, and it, it smells kind of like cat vomit, and when you sleep, anal leakage, it's just uh. not good. It's really disgusting. And farting all the time. I mean, this it just sounds like he was on. You know, this girl sounded kind of hot in the beginning of this phone call. Yeah. Um, and then now all of a sudden I'm just kind of sort of disgusted. I'd almost yeah. rather be at the Museum of Death. Don't you think like your body's trying to tell you something when you're farting and, and you've got anal leakage? I mean, maybe this this process of like, you know, uh, cleansing it isn't really uh, a very natural process. Well, I'd like to know what the hell was in there before. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, sound, you know, you know, you remember when they talk about like like sh- cutting op- open sharks' bellies and they see finding like know, a boot, <laughs> yeah, and like a, an arm, like, and they're like, yeah, an arm, and then, and then like and a foot, and they're like, oh shit, we we is this a murder or is it? Yeah. God, I'd hate to know it was in this girl's gullet. Here, let's uh, finish this call. Passed and didn't want to tell. I don't know. Um, you know, whether he was or not, it was altogether kind of a gross experience. But uh, anyways, I just wanted to share that thought with you guys. I don't know what uh, you know about fasting, but just thought I'd just thought I'd tell you what I thought. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll talk to you later. Bye. Wow. Well, uh, thank you for uh, sharing that, there, Raja. You know, a lot of girls tend to do this. This like yeah, totally. they tend to go on the no these like crazy like uh, not fasting. They're colon cleanses where they go on these diets. For like three weeks, and they'll 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 only they're not allowed to eat anything, but they drink this like concoction of lemon juice and oatmeal or something. Yeah, I mean, but it basically just it's just guilt. Like they they're like, oh shit, I ate too much, or I drank too much, or or I you know party too much or whatever. And like then they're like, I know I need to you know like balance that out. And so it's just based on guilt, you know. Well, I think they feel like it's uh, they're they're basically like sandblasting, like going in and cleaning the entire system out. So now they'll they'll all of a sudden be healthy. I think and it's then, a I think it's a gradual process. I don't think it's something that I, I just don't think you can shit out all the impurities out of your body. May, maybe you can. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of disgusting. It's very telling that something's coming out. I mean, you shouldn't be having black anal leakage. But you know, women, if you're going to do this, do this when you're not dating somebody. Yes, but then I guess if you're married or and, and you know you're always dating somebody, so maybe like take a month vacation and just go off to the you know. I wouldn't allow my wife to do this because could you imagine? It's hard enough dealing with your woman when she's uh, 
you know, having her period, like on the rag when during PMS. Could you imagine three weeks of just eating lemon juice oatmeal and having like black anal death leaking out of your anus? God, that'd be the worst mood ever. And plus, you'd never get some. That'd be three weeks, no sex. Well, they, and they'd still expect you to go down. I mean, it's bad enough when the, <laughs> when the painters are in, you know what I mean? Like, to go down there. Yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would definitely pass on that. Yeah. All right, uh, well, uh, Raja, I hope it uh, cured what ailed you. So uh, good luck with that. Uh, here's uh, call number two. Hey, this is Jason, the average guy. I was calling to tell you a little sick and wrong story of myself. This was when I was in seventh grade. So one day in gym class, I was playing um, capture the flag in gym class. And I was chasing the flag carrier and... When I was about to tag him, this one girl ran in between me and the flag carrier, and I was diving for him, and my head hit her right in the kneecap, and it Ooh. broke her leg. Ooh. So, yep, I got, like, a minor concussion from that. And the worst part of it was she was a star athlete, so she couldn't, like, run or do anything for several months. And it's, that's, that's been bugging me for a while, a couple years. So, yeah. That's my story. Bye. Wow. He seems pretty down. That really tapered off at the end. It was just like... It sounds like uh, he's, uh, you know, kind of revisiting his uh, past infractions, trying to make amends yeah, you think for misdeeds. On, uh, you think it's on the tw- he's on the 12-step program or something? Yeah, I wonder if that's what it is. If he's in, like, the... What was it? The fifth stage is the apology stage? Like, you write all the, uh, all the people that you've wronged? Have you ever had anybody do that to you, like call you up out of the blue and be just like, you know, I need to say something to you, blah, blah, blah? You know, it's, no, you know, I, I can't say I've really ever had it. I think everybody who's ever wronged me in the past has done it on purpose and enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was funny. Like, I got a, call, a phone call maybe like, you know, a few years ago, like two or three years ago. And from this guy. And he, like, I used to work with him. Like, and I, I didn't work closely with him. Um, but I liked him and we, we, you know, we went outside work and stuff together and stuff. And he was really fun and super nice guy. And, but at, you know, at work, he would disappear into the bathroom every like, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour or whatever. And you, you'd hear and you're like, so what is he doing lines in the bathroom? Right. And I like, you know, and then, then, you know, whatever, like start talking about drugs and things came out and stuff like that. But, you know, there's no. Uh, this was my last job, and it was like there was no like any kind of you know problem with that at all. The the owner of the business was a total druggie and stuff. Oh, so it was fully condoned. I mean, could you yeah. like could you like snort lines off your desk? Yeah. Well, no, no. I mean, the boss was like a total like druggie and stuff. So it was. I mean, it it was totally fine. Um, but I mean, like it, like one time my. Do you ever do lines with your boss? <laughs> I'm not gonna answer that question. <laughs> As if someone uh, could trace it. All right. Yeah, but no, like, uh, yeah, I went to Burning Man with him, dude, and he's asking me for ecstasy at Burning Man <laughs> stuff. So you know. that's a boss he, I'd like to have. Yeah, he's an awesome. He, he, he's my adopted uh, dad. But um, yeah, I mean, one time I, I, you know, like when I used to work out, I, lo- I had a bag of creatine powder, and I, and it fell down a crack, and I forgot about it. And then they, they were moving, they were moving desks around, and they found it, and they thought it was a bag of coke, and they were excited, and I was like, <laughs> no, 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 that's my creative powder, right? Um, but anyway, um, yeah. So this dude, like, I hadn't spoke to him in years, right? And he was totally cool, totally nice guy. 
And then just out of the blue, like a year or so ago, he called, I don't know how he got my number. He calls me up and he's like, I want to, you know, this is me, blah, blah, blah. I just want to say, I'm sorry. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, well, you know, you, uh, I really wronged you and stuff. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then it turned out like he was a total crystal meth head. Oh, so he was doing speed in the bathroom this whole exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so to to atone for uh, for he, for doing these drugs, they have to call people and say, "And yeah. have you forgiven?" Were you like, "Okay, I apology accepted." Yeah, I apologize to all the people that I that you know I was I wronged while I was on in that in that you know that hole in my life or whatever. It's like, dude, you were fucking awesome and funny and awesome. You know, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You know, I don't want to say that I lack remorse. And I'm sure I've wronged many people and probably will suffer for that in hell for eons. But uh, if there was one person I can think of right now, just off the bat, that I would, if I could go back and rectify a past misdeed, it would be this girl named Wendy, Wendy Sampierre. I went to high school with her. And uh, this chick had, uh, I don't know, probably stage three cancer in high school. Maybe stage four cancer. She had like three strands of hair. She kind of looked like a cone head, but just with like three strands of hair coming off. And so she's cute then. <laughs> yeah, she's your type. So anyway, I remember one time we we're in class, and uh, I was—I don't know—me being the class clown as I wait, as I was. Wait, wait, wait! Why would you be so mean to your girlfriend? I don't know. <laughs> Tough love, sleazy. Tough love. But no, we we're in class. I was in this uh, choir class, and uh, it was just one of those classes you take when you're a senior because you don't give a fuck about any of your classes at that point. You just want to leave high school, and. I, I went up to her and I called her Miss Potato Head and they made up this whole Miss Potato Head like young MC style rap and yeah. everybody was laughing about it and I didn't even notice that she started crying and left the room because everyone was laughing and we just got, went on and on and when she left the room everyone was laughing even harder. You know, I could I, never probably go back and find this girl again because she probably died from that cancer. And here, here's some, and she looks back in high school, she probably never went to college. She looks back in high school and she just thinks of this Big nosed, you know, nasally voiced Jewish guy calling her Miss Potato Head. Uh, it's terrible. Yeah, so I don't know how that, I can live with myself. So that's how you'd use your time machine. Your one, your one time machine. If okay. I got to go back in time, I would find Miss Potato Head and say, "Hey, I'm sorry for calling you that. You know, I didn't really mean it. And good luck with the cancer." And that would be it. No, no box of chocolates or roses or nothing. I mean, it, she Dude, I'm not trying to get in her pants. Jesus, sleazy. <laughs> God, she had cancer. I didn't want to get it on my dick. <laughs> Enough of that. Enough of that. You're bumming me out. All right, last call here. Uh, the sick and wrong hotline came from some dude. You know, I wonder how authentic this call really is. You can be the judge of that. All right, gentlemen. This is Mike. Got a little story for you. Don't know whether you'd be interested or not. But anyway, fuck it. Here it goes. Uh, about 15 years ago when I was in college, a friend of mine who went to UVA, and that's uh, University of Virginia for you layman. Did he say 15 years ago? Yeah, no, I think he said 50, 5-0. No, I think he said 1-5, <laughs> 15 years ago. So this is like, this is an old college story we're hearing here. Yeah, lost in translation. I asked me if I wanted to go down there to a party. So I go down to the party, and it's, you know, a typical party, everyone's drunk, whatnot. She says, you want to come upstairs because this dude's doing a rodeo. So I'm thinking to myself, I don't know. Sleazy, I don't know if you picked up on this, but this is uh, Joe Pesci. Oh, oh, oh right, right, right. You know are, you, are you funny? <laughs> <laughs> funny like clown. The rodeo is. So I'm like, fuck it. All right, yeah, let's go upstairs and see. So what it turned out to be, 
Well, someone's got to go out and find a fat girl. And I mean fat, not just fat, but like ridiculously fat. So we peek into the bedroom, and this guy is fucking this chick. And she looked pretty much, have you ever seen, if you can imagine a person fucking a pile of mashed potatoes, that's pretty much the best way I can describe it. So he's like pumping away at this, which is just, it's fucking disgusting. And then all of a sudden, from out of the closet, these three guys come busting out, and two of them are wearing cowboy hats. And they start hooting and hollering. Now, apparently the goal of this is to hold on to the girl and see how long you can stay on before she bucks you off. I guess eight seconds is the rule, you know, keeping in line with bull riding or whatever. So anyway, she gets the guy off right away. Then she starts crying hysterically. And I kind of felt bad, you know, because this poor girl got humiliated. But then again, it wasn't me that was getting fucked. So, you know, fuck her. Anyway, guys, uh, gay cock and off and yam. Kishmai took us a run. Keep it sick, long and kosher. What the hell was that at the end of that? <laughs> it was some, it was some fake Yiddish. I think it was pretty funny. God, I thought it was like some kind of Iranian terrorist chant or something. <laughs> so you you know what's interesting about that call? The most of these like okay, I've heard of the rodeo. I think most of our listeners have probably heard of the rodeo. It's one of those infamous frat boy sex moves that I've always felt to be fictitious. Uh, originally fictitious, these like mythological sex moves that frat boys made up to demean and abuse women. And I always thought that, uh, you know, initially they're, they're a joke, everybody laughed about it, no one really did it. I think in this day and age, after they've become popularized, people are actually going out and giving girls a donkey punch, and they're giving girls a dirty Sanchez. But they're not giving hot chicks a dirty Sanchez. They're not giving a hot chick a donkey punch or an angry sperm burping dragon. They're giving the fat girl. The fat girls, this is the plight of the fat girl, Sleazy. It's sad when you think about it. Yes, that's sad, but that, you know, that's the world. But it, like, it, like we said, you know, like things, things have made, uh, changed our lives, you know, with CSI and things like that. We've been, you know, more accustomed to to things that we would normally be shocked by and then uh now now with uh with with the uh internet we can uh well no people people have heard about these things so i think a lot of uh cruel you know adolescent men like adolescent boys will go out and they'll like try to pick up a chick saying i'm gonna give this chick a donkey punch and a hot chick's not gonna get down with that and a hot chick's probably not even gonna have sex with him but a fat girl desperate she's seeking love she wants companionship she wants sex She's probably like, all right, I'm drunk. I'm down with it. Let's uh, let's do this. And she's the one that's going to get donkey punched. Because yeah. yeah. she has no other alternative. <laughs> but what's uh, what's uh, intrigues me about this call here, though, is this guy did this 15 years ago, if he's speaking the truth. So that actually could have happened. That could have been like, uh, you know... The, you these, well, in the past decade, you know, in the 2000s, when people started hearing about the Dirty Sanchez and all that, I had never even heard of the rodeo back in the 90s. Or Dirty Sanchez in the nineties, so the late nineties. So you're trying to say maybe he was like the you know the for, the forefather of uh, urban donkey punching? Possibly, I think this guy might have uh, written the 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 sex the frat boy sex move book, or at least his uh, friends invited him to the party. This could have actually happened. But uh, if but the the moral of the story is just just can you love give the fat girls deserve love? All right. Yeah, I mean you know? that's what. As, as 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 Uncle Rodney used to say, can't we all just get along? 
you know, it's it's like it, it's if you're going to score with a chick and there's going to be no strings attached, a good chance she's going to be fat. You don't need to abuse her. All right. Yeah. You don't need to abuse her. That's all I got to say. I think that's one of the rule of go, first rules, card, a cardinal rule of going hogging. Just don't abuse the chick. Don't make her regret the fact that she had sex with you. Because then, you, you know, you'll, one day you might need that time machine to come back and, and, and apologize. Exactly. It sounds like this guy like, was thinking about it. He's like, you know what? I think it's time for me to expiate for my sins. I'm going to go back in time and find that fat girl that we embarrassed 15 years ago at the, West, at the University of Western Virginia and say, hey, you know what? You're a person, too. Here's, <laughs> here's a Twinkie. <laughs> <laughs> or a box of them. <laughs> People call the Cigarong Hotline, 206-666-3846. Uh, we always love to hear from you. Uh, we got time for one email. We got an email. This is interesting, actually. It's from Alex. He goes, Alex, I thought this, Alex writes, I thought this website might be worthy of a mention. It's called Bugshare. And it's a mixture of true stories and fantasy tales about deliberately giving or contracting HIV AIDS. What? It's a sexual fetish, generally amongst homosexuals more than straight people, where people either seek AIDS, they're called bug chasers, and people who give it are referred to as the gift givers. Wow. It's very disturbing, and I hope you'll remember this next time Jeff asks you to go to Big Daddy Mike's house for Thanksgiving. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I mean, I've heard of this and stuff, and uh, I mean, but I mean, you know, that's another urban legend, whether it's true, but I mean, that's crazy, man. Well, that's you know, uh, he goes, shout out to my friend Will for bringing this website to my attention, so uh, thank you, Will, for that. It's both sick and wrong. Keep up the great show, Alex. And uh, here's the link. I'm currently fucked out of my face. It's bugshare.net slash conversion stories. You know, I haven't actually checked out the website, but I have heard of this. I think there's movies about it where yeah. it's like uh, dudes go out and try to infect as many people as they can. I've just never heard of anyone saying, you know, I'm, you're giving me a gift. Or people yeah. who are actually like going out and seeking out like I really want to get AIDS. Why? Why would someone want that? Yeah. Would yeah. that mean that you never need to use a condom? Maybe that's what it is. Free well, from condoms. No, I, I mean, no, because I've like, there's people that, you know, that, that, that have AIDS and they're like, okay, well, that's another reason why they want to get AIDS because so then that means that they, you know, now they think they're free and they can do whatever they want and they don't have to use condom, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, there's, there's mutations of the virus. That's what viruses are. And you can catch different, different mutations of the virus. And so they affect you differently. And, you know, some you might be more immune to than others. And, and uh, others ones, you know, wax, kill you quicker. Are you whatever. saying, okay, if both people have AIDS and they continually have sex, they're mm -hmm. going to create this monster, like, virus, uh, AIDS well, virus that's going to just kill and wipe out humanity? Like well, the what, Godzilla AIDS? That's what viruses are. That's what viruses do. They mutate. But, I mean, like, every, every, every like, uh, every HIV virus is different to another and they, you can actually tell where you got the virus from. So, you know, if you were infected by one person and, and you get their blood, you can see that you were actually infected by that person. Sleazy, so, how, how, how is it possible you know so much about the AIDS virus? <laughs> <laughs> worrying, staying up all night worrying about it. Are you hunting down the gift givers? You're like the Charlie Bronson of AIDS. Dude, that's why I wear the red handkerchief in my left. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Alex. People go check out bugshare.net, but don't say you haven't been warned. Uh, finally, uh, sickandwrongforum.com is the place to connect to other like-minded sick and wrong fans. 
Uh, it, you know, it's a, it's a site where you can really ponder life's, you know, uh, difficult questions. Like I was looking on the forum today and there's a thread called Can Handicapped Girls Be Hot? It's posted by uh, Hipster Devin. Hell yeah. You, you think so? I mean, it's entirely oh, yeah. subjective. It depends on what you feel is hot. Like Paul McCartney, well, he likes amputees. Right. But I Me? Mean, that's, I'm not so, not so fond of them. But I mean, it's like what you think of as handicapped. I mean, somebody with a speech impediment can be thought of as handicapped. But I mean, they I'm still talking wearing in, in a wheelchair, hot. though. In a wheelchair with, uh, with yeah, but, leg braces. But what's her face? Paul McCartney's ex-miss. She, she wasn't in a wheelchair. She just yeah, but she was a, missing limbs. Just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she didn't have arms or legs. That's what yeah, Wackerly told me. Or a penis. I think that's Wackerly's um, fantasy is watching Paul McCartney fuck a woman with no arms and no legs while singing <laughs> Let It Be. Wackerly well, gets off to that. <laughs> what was that? When she was swimming, what was her name? Bob? <laughs> a list material coming there from Sleazy E. So, but, but what I'm saying here, it's, it's, what's interesting is the responses that uh, Hipster Devin got with that question. Because I think everybody kind of weighed in. And uh, yeah, you can really ponder life's difficult questions at the Sick and Wrong Forum. So go to sickandwrongforum.com, become a member today. Also, I want to give each and every one of you a big thank you and a kiss on the cheek for subscribing to the show on iTunes. It actually does help us out. You subscribe to the show. It gives, uh, it gives us a better rating. We're on the main page. More people listen. And we keep producing podcasts. It's like sickle. It's like the circle of podcast life going on there. Is that an Elton John song? Something. Why are you asking me? Because <laughs> you're English. <laughs> and gay. <laughs> um, also, uh, make sure you buy a tea at the Sick and Wrong store. We only have, uh, we actually only have a few larges and extra larges left. So get one while you still can. This is the last time we're going to be printing the original Sick and Wrong Coca-Cola design. So uh, go buy a tea today, sickandwrongpodcast.com. Click on store. Uh, also, Sick and Wrong Song of the Week was sent in by Kenny. Kenny says, hey, Sick and Wrong. I forgot to mention my last email about an awesome UK band you might have missed. They do parodies of popular songs. The band is called the Amateur Transplants. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're very famous. They're, they're actually doctors. That's why they call the Amateur Transplants. They're actually doctors? Yeah. God, I hate people that are so talented. <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, we ended the show a while ago with one of their songs about Northern yeah, Birds. Was, Remember that? Yeah, Northern Birds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they have one uh, uh, about the underground. Well, this one's great. This guy, uh, Kenny, sent in a song called Nothing At All. I think the singer kind of sounds like Chris DeBerg. I think it might be Chris DeBerg. <laughs> it, it sounds a lot like him. So uh, he writes, I'll attach a few songs to them, to, uh, by them to save you a bit of effort. Enjoy, Kenny. So we're going to end the show here with Nothing at All by the Amateur Transplants. Nice. Well, people, we'll be back next week with uh, episode 272. Thank you, Sleazy, for uh, being on the show and filling in for Wackerly this week. I know uh, you're, you're taking off tomorrow for the Bunny Hop convention, right? That BMX show? Hell yeah. And so I'm going to hang, be hanging out with uh, uh, a previous guest of the show. Mr. Uh, Rad himself, Eddie Fiola. Oh, nice, nice. Isn't this? Isn't it kind of like the all the old geezers of the BMX world get together and uh, yeah, bust actually, out some uh, some uh, Ben Gay and start trying to do some bunny hops in the middle of the desert. Yeah, yeah. I think well, we'll need a lot of Ben Gay, that's for sure. But uh, <laughs> there's a few Bens there, and, and I'm not sure if they're gay, but we'll find out. Um, 
But yeah, that's I'm, I'm pretty. I just found out today that they. Uh, I'm pretty amazed. They're they're opening up the mega ramp. You know, like the X Games me- mega ramp for. Isn't there old, an age limit on that? All us old gets to ride on the. Well, there's gonna be the, some injuries. Yeah, well, some of the dudes that that like competed on that in the X Games, they're gonna be there and stuff, like Dave Mirror and stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna be surprised if 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 anybody uh, if that many people try it out. But I'm I'm actually tempted to try it, but. Um, you know, that's, that's a, that's, uh, you better start saving up for my coffee. Yeah, ma- make sure you bring your crash helmet. I don't want to do like a sick and wrong charity show or something like that. Well, yeah. Sleazy, thanks for being on the show this week. People will be back next week with uh, episode 272. Until then, take a Sleazy. It's amazing how pretty you looked on that night. Your skirt was so short And your top was so tight I bought you a drink And we danced on the floor We pulled and you came back to mine For some more Your skirt ended up on the living room chairs And your top and your bra They came off Stairs. And though you looked fit with your clothes on, man, I was a fool. Cause you look like shit when you wear nothing at all. Oh, the clothes that you wore looked a million dollars. Just like Rick Wallace The makeup you wear is a clever disguise To hide your moustache and the squint in your eyes Your cellulite's dreadful, you're covered in zits and Your stomach's about as defined as quicksand If I'm being honest, your tits are unacceptably small So you look like shit when you wear nothing at all When we went back to mine, I was up for a shag your navel and they cover your thighs didn't know they made asses that size when we met on that night I can swear that I never would have guessed you're a female Andrew Lloyd Webber the hair on your chest's a bit endocrinological and you look like shit Is a picture by Pablo Picasso.
castle I can see that your ass has its own gravitational pull And you look like shit when you wear nothing at all Sodomizer. Um, I was listening to episode 20, uh, 235, actually, and you guys did a story about a amputee who got set on fire by his friends. Um, Las Cruces is actually in New Mexico, uh, and he was uh, moved to the burn unit in uh, Lubbock, which is where I work. Um, and to answer your question, his prosthetic limb did have a sock on it. Uh, I know that was a, a point of debate between the two of you, but I can wholeheartedly say that I saw his burnt-up, charred uh, prosthetic leg uh, with uh, a sock and a shoe on it. Uh, so I just thought you guys uh, would like to know that. 